We don't know when we are. We don't know when we are. Short and barrel chested with a body designed to hunt badgers, it's Fox Lee. This body is not for hunting badgers, this body is for hunting steak. Long-legged and coming from the English countryside where it derived from the stock of Noble's, breeding, Noble's hunting dogs, it's Jeb Branch. I am not Jace. <laughs> and a strange mongrel with lopsided ears, it's Talon Lee. <laughs> We're dog-sitting, it's on my mind. If it helps, the strange mongrels with lopsided ears are often the cutest. I don't know, Zach's not that cute. <gasps> That's because part of him is a chihuahua. <gasps> <gasps> I'm sorry, I, I hot, am one of your chihuahua hot, dislikers. Hot dog takes here yes. on the downloadable concept The podcast. hottest of takes on dogs. I don't have it in me to hate any dog, but I, I'm not fond of, of... You know, it extends to... Little, uh, little yippy bastard dogs don't count as dogs. <laughs> it extends to character designs as well. Like, I understand the Final Fantasy IX was arguably the best one in quite a while, but the, the giant eyes and the massive fucking foreheads, and that's the same reason I don't like chihuahuas. <laughs> I, uh, I, I... Having walked Ginny, the Dachshund, sorry, the miniature Dachshund in this situation. She's half a miniature Dachshund. The other half is a Jack Russell Terrier. It's all muscle. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, because of course, yeah. this is my first, this is basically the second year of my life of being associated closely with dogs. And my goodness, I was not prepared for just how Dachshunds walk. She's basically sinking her claws <laughs> into the ground and dragging the earth underneath her. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel the need to clarify that you can train a Dachshund to heal like any other kind of dog, but this one doesn't know how. Brute of a thing. Adorable, but a brute. <laughs> so anyway, hey, Fox, what have you been playing lately? What's that, Tom? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I was playing Rune Factory. Yes, I understand that. <laughs> um, I've been playing Rune Factory. Not Rune Factory 4, unfortunately, because that costs money, but Rune Factory 1, which I already have. Rune Factory 4 is uh, also region locked. Good. Could 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 some could 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 maybe could 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 maybe somebody tell tell me what Rune Factory even is? It's a fantasy harvest moon. It's right there in the <gasps> title. Oh, <laughs> why haven't I played a Rune Factory game? <laughs> no, I literally did not know what Rune Factory was. <laughs> people keep, keep people I know keep saying I've been playing Rune Factory Are every now and again. Someone just talks about playing Rune Factory. I'm like, what's Rune Factory? <laughs> it's Rune Factory. Oh, thanks. That's really fucking helpful. Are you familiar with Harvest Moon? I'm very familiar with Harvest Moon. Okay. It's basically that with a bit of a traditional RPG staple to it. So there's all the stuff that's normally in Harvest Moon. A big field full of shit. Uh, lots of farming tools. You grow shit. You pick shit. You, you know, collect animals that make produce for you. And et cetera, et cetera. And you, you know, pick the cutest girl to get married to. Or boy in some but you also Or boy in some course. of the sequels. Um, but there's also caves, which you can go down into and uh, recruit monsters to help you out. Instead of, say, buying a chicken from the guy in town, you will instead find a, I think they're called cockadoodles. <laughs> Same. Yes. Find the cockatrice. <laughs> and then you will pet the cockadoodle until it likes you, and then you will take it home and it will give you eggs. Pet the cockadoodle until it likes you is my okay cute profile name. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and if you should want milk, you will need to go and find the cave where you can pet a buffamoo until it likes you. <laughs> Uh, that that's what I can't. I, I can't take that one. I already used one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really muscular cow, right? A buffer move. <laughs> I like the idea that it is. It's just this cow flexing in a cave somewhere. You know what the sheep monster jo called? Jojo's, Jojo's daily adventure. It's <laughs> Dairy <Halloween>. adventure. <laughs> 
so Rune Factory, it, it, it's just your typical Harvest Moon style. If you like a Harvest Moon, this is a one. Pretty much, that is exactly what it is. It's. I don't know if I love the more traditional RPG elements staple to it. I I like the fact that the characters have more fantasy-ish designs because in Harvest Moon it's a bit, you know, rural, straight up predictable archetypes kind of thing. Yeah. Which it sort of still is with Room Factory as well, and you still have the issue of, eh, the art style skews young. Ugh. The girls you're oh, supposed like... to be able to marry, and indeed your character look like you're maybe 12. Well, magical, magical melody uh, is one that where one of your one of your spouse options was the was your androgynous purple haired rival. Oh, that's, that's nice. Rad. I haven't seen that one. The one I've been seeing that was the oh. sec- That was the second one for the GameCube. I actually had quite a problem with when I first played this. I have actually played it before, um, but I I kept trying to get a number of the older women in town interested in me because no one was attached when I arrived. I'm like, ooh, you, you, can I romance you? Are you a, a love interest? No. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, what about you, awesome lady who lives in the seaside shack and, you know, has a suntan and is a good swimmer and stuff? No. Aww, no. Boo. Ooh. Older lady who drinks a lot and owns the inn. No. Boo. No. Boo. The, my main exposure to Rune Factory has in fact been through Melissa, who has been playing it on and off. <laughs> because there's a... There's, she's been playing 4. She's been playing Rune Factory 4, where there is a short-haired, blonde baker boy who just wants to make you happy. And there's a, there's a guy whose aspiration is to be a butler. So this is, is a game lovely. So this is a game where one of your dating options is literally someone who will just wander around with a towel <laughs> in front of her. Yes, your majesty. Yes, your majesty. Of course, your majesty. And like, that's what he wants to do. This is sort of, yes. I am glad to find out. I thought he was just calling you princess as some, you know, gratuitous, this is how I appeal to the ladies thing. You actually are playing a princess in that version of the game. So yeah. I'm like, oh, good, I forgive you. Because, <laughs> like, oh, I can't stand that whole calling you princess for the sake of princess thing. It's Milady. kind of gross and manipulative. <laughs> My lady is different. That doesn't necessarily imply a title. Princess is pretty fucking straight up, all right? <laughs> that kind of plays a bit too much into the every girl wants to be a princess stereotype for me. I have heard about the people who are trying to seduce musical instruments, though. What? Marimba. Anyway. Get out. Okay. That, that's that's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll have my things packed and be going by the morning. Anyway. You're fired. What I'm getting to is that the main reason I started replaying Rune Factory, because they do give you a second save slot. <laughs> it's because I found out you can also marry a character who doesn't show up until the main plot is finished, who is an eyepatch wearing ex military commander of the enemy kingdom from the main story. Fucking right. Yep, alright. Nice. You can marry salt you can marry big boss. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta draw with stubble now. That's fantastic. And an eye patch and the big cigar and the dog. <laughs> Well, and you, the can, robot uh, arm. you can recruit in the dungeon, and you can ride on it. See? Yeah. This is actually canonical to Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I, I wish they'd included all the fantasy elements without doing the sort of dungeon crawly side of it. If it was just, you know, Harvest Moon, but you have all made-up fun fantasy critters instead of just chickens. <laughs> One thing I did always enjoy in Harvest Moon was naming my chickens after, like, brands <laughs> of chicken that you could buy. And uh, in the first one, there is a chicken sumo wrestling contest. What?! It's, it's, there's festivals throughout the year, and one of them is whoever has the biggest, toughest chicken that can push all the other chickens out of the ring. And, uh, and old Kentucky was the champion of the chicken wrestling ring. Video games are great. <laughs> was, was it when my... I played, uh, when I played Harvest Moon, uh, A Wonderful Life, I, actually any Harvest Moon I've played, I, I make it a point to, to name my animals after, uh, cuts of meat from that <laughs> particular animal. So we have a similar theme. I had, you know, Staggles yes. and Ingham and... Yeah. And then there's Fox's Pokemon names, which aren't safe for the podcast. (laughs) 
Most of them are. Just it's occasionally funny. really gross swear words. <laughs> you know, in Mystery Dungeon, I felt the need to give them all serious names, even the ones that I don't like at all. Because it was like, well, I, I'm one of them now. I can't, I can't just make fun of them. That's not nice. Did you still call Mr. Mime fuckhead? No. That's only in the main games. And I can't do it anymore because they won't let you swear in that's, names. Since they that's canon, the, though. Uh, that's canon. <laughs> it is canon. That has been the traditional name for my Mr. Mime ever since I was playing Pokemon Red on the emulator. <laughs> What about you? What, what, who is this fucker? <laughs> I hate Mr. Mime. So, hey, Jeb, what have you been playing lately? Oh, I have been playing a, a whole lot of 80 Days. <laughs> yes. Explain. 80 Days is a, a, a science fiction alternate history steampunk. Read em up, really? Uh, read em up, <laughs> yeah. Based on, of course, Around the World in 80 Days. Um, just as an example of the kind of the, the kind of encounters that you get into amongst your travel around the world within the course of 80 days. I was riding a, uh, a robotic carriage to Berlin, wherein a pirate lady kidnapped me in my carriage. <laughs> All and right, took us, one. And took us to her airship. All right. <laughs> where then I charmed her. This is getting sexy. <laughs> and she gave me a jewel to deliver to an art uh, to uh, an artificer. This is all a metaphor. In Istanbul, right? wait for it. No, who who gave me a, a gem to deliver to an artificer in Istanbul? And when I got to Istanbul, I wound up dressing up as a harem girl. You should in see order the look before, on her face. <laughs> I've had dreams before like this. Meeting, before meeting up with the artificer in his his office filled with. Um, with porcelain automatons, and it turns out that the stolen, that, that the, the jewel that I was given by the pirate lady was the eye to the first robot that he ever made. Aww. And this was just a side mission yeah, is, that I happened to get into. Just a thing that can happen. <laughs> See the whole porcelain dolls thing? That's a slight bit of a letdown. But, but up until that point, it was like, mm, go and on. then, <laughs> ladies. I've fleshed out Dojinchi scripts much like this. <laughs> it's right down to the right down to the right down to the uh the sir, the, the the valet boy who dresses as a harem girl before going around Istanbul. Yep. That's the that's the main part. <laughs> that's that's the actually central plot. Point. That's that's the main part. So eighty days, I understand it's a tablet game as well as a... It was originally a tablet game before, but it just recently got released on Steam. Oh, oh. And uh, one of the more interesting things about it, you can see how other people are progressing if they're playing at the same time. You see, oh, oh there's a person who's taking this route, and there's a person who's taking this route. That's very cool. Because you have to, you have to choose your route. You have to find your route around the world. Oh. You can only, you can only go, you can only, go, only, you only know so far when you start. You can talk to drivers and people you meet on the various methods of travel to find out more information. And every city you stop in, you can buy goods that you can sell in other cities to make money, or that will help you keep Phineas Fogg happy as you're traveling because he's British. <laughs> so what? You have to make sure there's a constant supply of tea. Uh, you have to keep him shaved. And and you have to make sure you have to have to. You actually do have to do things like shine his shoes and play play checkers with, or play uh, dominoes with him or checkers <laughs> or you know he, he's British. He's very That's British. wonderful. Um, what's I gonna say? Do I currently? I oh, currently I have gotten to. Uh, I am en route to Singapore. 
That's cool. Really important. Oh, right. Did you say there are airships in this world? Yes. Is that like a, a Zeppelin kind of thing? or? Oh, the, well, there are, some are Zeppelins. Some are like clockwork, like Final Fantasy airships. Uh, some some of the ways you go are by like desert car or uh, robot horse or um, train, of course. I'm just beginning to suspect that 80 days is a very lenient goal in a world with... I have a I have a D and D setting wherein there are magical airships, and at one point I looked up Zeppelin speeds to find out how long I should tell them it would take to get to a certain area, and <laughs> I was like, "Fuck!" I have to cut back on the number of events that are supposed to happen during this flight. Well, they're they're not. It's it's not fast. The, <laughs> the airship travel in it is not fast. It is tailored to be to be eighty days is tailored to make sure that that time frame is a challenge. Right, right. Because I'm forty some. I'm like forty days in. I'm only on road to Singapore. So, as a as, a, as originally a tablet <laughs> game, I kind of expected that it would have some sort of time um, resource mechanic. Uh, much the same way as the original Fall in London did, or is this just a, a straight up play as much as you want in a single sitting kind of game? Say as much as you want. Uh, in the the PC version, at least I, I've not played the, the tablet version, but the PC version has no such mechanic like that. Oh, cool. Well, hold- you do have to you do have to like wait time out. There there is a, a clock going in game because like the market only op- opens at like seven a.m. and you can explore the cities when you get there. You know, spend a few hours walking around to, for to find random events that can happen. Ah, I sincerely hope you and have that's... to adjust for time zones. <laughs> I don't know. <gasps> you travel to Kiribati. You're going around the world. <laughs> you go to Kiribati and everything just goes to fuck. <laughs> well, the thing is. The thing is, I, I I didn't actually, you know, write down distance to time, so it <laughs> might. It's like, it just says, oh, you'll arrive in this town, by or this city, by this time. Probably. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's good, though. Like, the, that Probably. ambiguous mechanic. Well, uh, there's all kinds of things that can slow down, uh, that can slow down an, uh, a robot horse, for example. Like getting kidnapped like, by an uh, empire. Yeah. Um, that actually happened. Uh, <laughs> that, that happened another time, I got... I wound up on another pirate ship. <laughs> a different one. <laughs> a different pirate ship. But this one, but this but this pirate ship, I sabotaged for the British Navy by throwing my pants into its propeller. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, we're in Britain. My trousers. Yes, good point. It's quite, quite distinct. Unless different. you'd already used your trousers for something else and you do mean pants, pants. <laughs> I did actually, I did, well, I did sell my trousers accidentally, my pants, my trousers at one point, so... <laughs> I did actually do that. You can sell your clothes. <laughs> Sometimes you have to sell your clothes. The the clothes and stuff you buy actually do have different functions. Like I said, you have to keep Phineas Fogg happy. And like if you go if you go through Britain or through like Russia, if you go through the north of Europe as opposed to going to like the Middle East, like I did, you're gonna want a different set of clothes for <laughs> for that purpose. Tell me, tell me, Phineas Fogg. But things like uh, the same clothing. You see him always in the same clothing. Oh, good. Nice. A proper British gentleman does not take off his trousers just because it's swelteringly, brain-meltingly hot. I, I remember that actually. That actually was one of the the dialogues that occurred <laughs> uh, when I was traveling to uh, when I was traveling to the when I was traveling to Baghdad. I think it was. I think it was. It was somewhere in the Middle East. It wasn't Baghdad. It was just out. Uh-huh. But yes, that actually happened as I was going through the desert. <laughs> it's like Phineas Fogg still won't resume his English gentlemanly clothes. 
Well, that was that was very much a thing in the Age of Exploration when <laughs> they sent the first sets of exploration to the Antarctic. They were doing things like they were traveling with like a small stove and a uh, what's it? Um, a, a writing desk, not a little fold-out desk, but a writing desk. Because you know, if we're going to go to the, if we're going to write a letter to the Queen from the Antarctic, we must do it as British gentlemen. <laughs> Says British gentlemen who've eaten their friends' feet. Well, yeah, it's it, it's very. And then they died. Yeah, and then they died. And- yeah, well, um, yeah. What do you say? Sometimes you have to let go of your principles, especially if your principles are stupid. <laughs> oh, it's nice that your character gets to do all the ridiculous stuff. I like the idea that you're not playing the main character. Like, that. that is of much more no, appeal to me. In the same way as... I, can't, I, I can never remember the character's name because it's a very silly French <laughs> name. It... But uh, you get to do all kinds of oddball stuff. Um... Well, just before I left for Singapore, I uh, while I was wa- while I was waiting for the for the uh, airship to to leave, I explored the the city I was in a bit, and I got um, beat up by a nun, kidnapped, <laughs> and uh, was she a cross-dressing uh, pirate? <laughs> she may have been. She uh, asked me to look for a robot with a soul so that her church can prove to the artificers <laughs> that God that that robots are God's creation. Well, there I you really go. I really like this game. <laughs> I really like this game. That if, if that's the caliber of side quests, I have to say I'm interested. <laughs> Um, when you guys say read them up, are we talking like this is a visual novel kind of thing, or like this is... It is very much a visually novel kind of thing. All right. It, it, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't art directed or anything. There's, there's no, there's no visual cutscene, there's no video cutscenes, there's no voice acting, it's just, you get a list, you get a list of choices to make, and you click on one, and it, stuff happens, and it checks your inventory sometimes, like I have a set of loaded dice for when I decide to, you know, gamble <laughs> with some shoreman, because you can do that too. Hopefully. When you want to lose to the cross-dressing air pirates so they'll kidnap you. <laughs> Am I fixating a little on oh. I really like cross-dressing air pirates. They're super great. I don't even mind which way the cross-dress and either way, brilliant. <laughs> game, dev- game devs, you have your uh, order. Side, side note, side note, speaking of cross-dressing. Yeah. Be- even though I was wear- even though I was dressed up as a harem girl, they, they- nobody in the game minded. Not even Phineas Fogg. <laughs> that is my favorite kind of cross-dressing. Now, speaking of cross-dressing, and this is actually a say. Are we going to talk about Mary Ribey again? No. We're going to talk about Shadows of Mordor. So, tell what have you been playing? (laughs) I've been playing a couple of things, but one of the things I've been playing the most is, uh, yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor. (laughs) Shadows of Mordor! Me me too! I've been playing Shadows of Mordor as well. Yes! And, um... I, I, what a coincidence! I just want to say, uh, for for the core of the game, the linear plot, the the fixated universe, the the Tolkien world, all of that stuff, that's in this giant bubble labeled not for me. Like I don't want to talk about how I feel about Tolkien or how I feel about the core plot of Shadows of Mordor because it's not it's, it's not for can me. Can I summarize it? You you can you can pass your opinion, but <laughs> the, I'm suggesting the label for the bubble. Noise, yes. <laughs> My, my point is, Cold. I don't want to sit here talking smack about a <laughs> dude who's been dead for 70 years. It's, it's not my business right now. But it's. I, I was looking to summarize that as basically, don't care about Tolkien mythos. The point is... Well, the, okay, the, the, the thing thing is, for me, it's like uh, 10 minutes into Shadow of Mordor, and it's like, okay, I don't care about this plot. Who the <laughs> fuck am I? Yeah. I, I am so generic right now. <laughs> the dude is... So generic. Amazingly generic. <laughs> 
Well, it's a it's the a main character, costly... whatever his name is. They've they've mentioned his name several times in the course. Of the I've game. told you his name twice. You've told me his name <laughs> twice. Fuck if I can't remember what it is. Well, it's a vastly imaginative, sprawling fantasy world that that goes back to the origins of pop fantasy with elves and wizards and trolls and magic. And uh, I just I think it's great that they took this opportunity to give you the chance to play a stubbly brunette white guy. <laughs> Finally. And finally. finally. For what it's worth, the character's name is Talion. Whatever. Oh, he's almost Talon. Exactly. <laughs> which is which is a pronunciation of that name I heard people use to talk to me. Uh, so what we're saying is that you, in fact, are the protagonist no. of Shadow Mordor. He is a stubbly brunette white guy, but not for lack of trying. Like, are you, are you generic man? I, I am, are you generic man? I am not built like a bear. Actually, your glasses. You can never get away with having nerd glasses in a video game. Nonetheless, now, setting aside all of the plot stuff in Shadows of Mordor, what you're left with is this kind of smallish sandbox full of dickish orcs and the opportunity to stab them up. <laughs> really, really cool way. <laughs> and I have been really enjoying just stabbing up orcs a bunch. <laughs> it did. I, I haven't watched a lot of Talon playing this, but it reminds me so much of when you were playing the first Assassin's Creed and you were like, plot? What? Assassinations? What's this rubbish? I'm going to hunt down every Templar on this fucking map. I'm gonna shiv a bunch of templars. I'm gonna kill every every single orc captain I can find. (laughs) And so, so he like I had this like an hour and a half discussion last night with someone who's much further into the game than I am, and she gave up on it and she felt it was very eh Um, because. So she she made the point that the game is incredibly static. If you wipe out captains, other captains fill their spots. If you advance orcs up the ranks to make them better captains or whatnot that also just more stuff fills the blanks beneath you there isn't um a lot of tangible feeling of progress or connection to the world Mm -hmm. it really is just a repetitive sandbox right now i really enjoy that repetitive sandbox (laughs) well there are some games where you don't have to complete them to get the best experience out of them i mean not me i have to complete every stab a dude a whole bunch well, and, and I kept comparing it to Hotline Miami because I keep going back and playing Hotline Miami. Like, <laughs> there can be no more fruitless a thing than replaying Hotline Miami. Trust me on this one. You you do play Hotline Miami <laughs> as if it has no story, which is, from what I gather, more or less the way it was intended. On that note, I've got Hotline Miami too, and I have some thoughts on that. But <laughs> Ooh, the dark clouds loom on the horizon. <laughs> but the thing with uh, Shadows of Mordor, the thing that really, like, the whole break for me is that after the game came out, it was like two months out, they released as just a free piece of DLC an extra skin, which is you get to play as this woman character who shows up in the main plot. I don't know her name. I don't know anything about her at all because she's in that big bubble. That That's fine. That, that, that's off on its own. <laughs> in fact, we had this conversation yesterday where I was like, is she an elf? And Talon was like, <laughs> she might I be. I can't remember. But she looks cool, she looks interesting, and her animations and operations, everything she does, is effectively identical to him. So, there, like, the, the conveyance of character, we've, we've talked about this in the past, about the way characters do things, expresses things about them. When Talion fights in this way of, like, you know, uh, one, one of the executions you can get, you lunge into a guy, you shoulder him in the jaw, his head snaps up, and you stab him up through the soft part of the jaw into the top of his head, and the blade comes out the top of his skull. <laughs> of course it does. And that's 
grossly excessive. That's like, for a guy character, certainly a, a, a guy character who was designed by anyone who saw movies in the early 90s. That's, <laughs> that's generic. And sort of par for the course. When it's a woman doing it, I haven't seen that in very many video games. <laughs> and it creates this cast of the entire... Like, again, the plot, whatever. That's its own thing. I am braided warrior lady running around <laughs> shiving the shit out of orcs. That's a good point. I mean, because there's such a double standard in play already, having male characters and female characters do exactly the same things can create a really different story. I seem to recall this coming up when you played Mass Effect too. Yeah. You were like, this story has so much more to say if it's about a female shepherd. Yeah. Um, re- related to that, I've commented in the past the idea that games are machines that make stories. The single most interesting part of Shadows of Mordor to me is the Nemesis system, which within its game, its machine to make a story, is this machine that makes lots of little stories. <laughs> you follow, you can watch the progress of, of orc captains dueling one another. You can help them advance. You can, you can catch them before they get out of control. Sometimes they can get away from you. You can wind up with rivalries with characters that the game is procedurally generating. There is, there is no soul there except what you, the player, bring. So that's super interesting. Also, if you get killed... Oh, yeah! That, that The orc that killed you becomes a captain. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Um, related to that. Also, they also orcs can uh, spare you if you're about to be if they're about to kill you if you're not strong enough. That's These are both things that happen to me because I'm bad at games. <laughs> I, if I, I've gotten my butt kicked a fair bit too. <laughs> I really like the first one of those ideas actually because I mean we've all had that moment where we've gotten through a really difficult fight and then some scrub has been around the corner <laughs> and gotten the lucky shot off. You're just imagining you as Zago, king of the orcs. <laughs> I I slayed our ferocious stalker. Yay! I'm the boss now. I'm coming for you, pal. <laughs> I'm fucking coming for you. He's like, oh shit, I'm not actually that tough. That's basically what happened. Yes. Like, oh, oh, and they immediately assign that that work as your as your nemesis. It's great. It's like, oh, your new rival is. I think my. It's like Pew Pew the Berserker. <laughs> And relate like he was just he was just g- generic orc at the time. It's like oh he's a level four orc. Oh that's funny. I'm a crush him next time I see him. I I like that you can remember this guy's name. And yes. not the main guy. Yeah, that says a lot. Generic randomly named orc. Pew the berserker. Yes, I remember you. I'm gonna kill you. Um, I. I, 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 uh, I, while searching for one, I saw Upabash the Gigglefoot, which I thought, what? <laughs> but the other thing that the game does is, it, it, it Steam integrated, so there's a lot of stuff it's doing in the background. And so there's achievements mm-hmm. and tracking. One of the things it does is, when, if you die, it will occasionally distribute your information to the rest of the, comp- the rest of the players on the network on your friends list or something like that. I don't know where it's sourcing these from, but it says, alright, such and such died in this location to this orc. You want to go fuck him up? <laughs> and I had nice. like I, I come out of a come out of one of the towers. And I'm like, all right, cool. What am I going to do now? Because of course, there's the main plot, but I don't want to do that. That's over in the bubble. But nobody gives a fuck <laughs> about the main plot. But, it's bad. But then this little icon flashes up and says, "Hush has been slain by such and such." The watcher, I call it. I'm like, oh. no! hush, no. <laughs> I am going that to fuck that guy up. I don't know who he is, but damn it, he can't hush. <laughs> Who's hush? I don't... Shut up. I don't Nobody know. cares. And I don't know why I cared. 
Like, uh, g- games fundamentally, uh, play fundamentally, is this idea of a system you engage with willingly. End games in gold, winning in games, is functionally meaningless. It's something you choose to care about and that gives you an emotional response because of that choice. And this game has done an amazing job of saying, hey, do you want to care about this? Do you want to care about this? Do you want to care about this? And three of the things it tries. It's like, you know, ooh, there's a mystery about this elf. Ooh, there's this story about his family. Ooh, there's the narrative of the Lord of the Rings. Couldn't give a thundering. Am I going to murder everyone in it? No, then, don't care. And then there's this, 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 this orc right here. He killed your parents. He killed you. I'm fuck him up. I, I forward, in fact, that your tendency to care about much. Uh, I, I have a little hypothesis on... Well, actually, I can probably call this a theory at this point, because I think it has uh, explained all natural occurrences of this so far. Uh, Talon is a tank. <laughs> <laughs> I I do deeply appreciate the idea of it being vengeance for someone who is somehow connected <laughs> to me. I don't know who they are, but apparently it's from your friends list, so maybe? I don't know. I don't know anyone who's playing this game right now, but... Well, that's not the point. The fact that it's there implies that it's someone you care about or are responsible for, mm. and therefore you take it personally. Yeah. Um. There's, there's a lot of variants. This whole nemesis system is basically packing peanuts. It's there to give you stuff to do in between the main plot chunks. I'm enjoying playing in the packing peanuts. <laughs> that's such a wonderful... Especially if you imagine it with the actual character. <laughs> Italian playing in a big box of packing peanuts. Me! Me! That said, I absolutely agree with Fiora in that there is... The system is reasonably static and repetitive. If you're not enjoying the act of murder... If if at any point playing Shadows of Mordor, you're like, I'm not having fun stabbing up orcs, go home. Get get a different game. (laughs) You're playing the wrong game if you're not in the mood to stab a bunch of orcs. It will never never surprise you. It will never vary that. But it will constantly give you this retextured version of what you are already doing. So if you want it, it gives you as much of it as you could possibly want. This is... No, you can do. Uh, you can also like do things like drop a, wa- a nest of wasps on the orcs' heads. Have you <laughs> yes, done that? Oh, that? Does it get stuck? Do they run around going? <laughs> no, these these are Tolkien wasps, so they're like this big. They're like Australian wasps. They're, they're... <laughs> it doesn't get stuck <laughs> on the head. It kills them. Well, it some kill of the, them eventually, the... but you know they'd run around screaming first with nests stuck on their head. <laughs> The, the really the orcs are by far the most interesting things. Like you'll see orcs with you'll see like three little gangs of orcs and they're just bullying humans. Yeah. Just pushing them around a circle. It's like Seriously, okay, what stab, are you guys I, like twelve? I'm gonna stab you and you and you and you and you and you. One of the story missions is to track Gollum and along the way incidentally, I get the impression that, that, that they're just there to to sort of, you know, be a, a minor challenge you stealth past. There's a patrol of five orcs that walk in a line. Uh, but they're slightly staggered so that they can see one another if you if you approach them from the wrong angle. And their patrol path takes them away from the zone you need to be in to do your quest. Am I to gather that sneak past them in this context means chain gun murder them? Well, that's the thing. I failed this mission three times because I kept following this patrol and murdering <laughs> Like uh, warning, warning, warning! You're leaving. You're leaving the mission area. If you leave this mission area, the mission will be aborted. Like he's right there. There's one left. <laughs> Fuck it! I'll get this guy. I'll come s- back. It's, it's just a track mission. It's gonna be. <laughs> I want to stab these guys. Come on. The dog park creator has a Kickstarter going, and like there's some game attached to it. But you get dog park. <laughs> What what is this game? Tell me about it. Um, Home Free is a procedural action RPG where you play a dog in a human city. 
And you get to run around doing things like begging for food, stealing food, uh, scrounging for food. It, you know, honestly, it's not super important can what I you do. Can make friends with the humans? I believe you can. What? What if you lose? That's the thing that worries me, because secondary to that, you get dog park! You get to run around in a park and multiplayer dogs with other people. It sounds so cool. That's cool too, but I actually like the thing you just described is the first time in many years that like open world or procedurally generated is something that has actually excited me. <laughs> I mean, I am just a bit sick of those terms. One one of the uh, pictures on the Kickstarter page is of a sheep riding around on a carousel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many different breeds can you play? Uh... I can't give you a number off the top of my head without pulling it up, but he, he did mention there were like 15 breeds or something like that. It was like a very and a variety of different fur colorations and whatnot. Good, good. So that's cool. This is very critically is... important. <laughs> this, you know, it's important to be able to play a game where you're a dog. <clears throat> By the way, listener, if you haven't tried out where ages go, you might find that enjoyable. No particular reason. It's not like it's related to this or anything. Yeah, nothing Just thought do. you might like to know. Setting that aside. Yeah, setting this. Whoosh. <laughs> Uh, anything else you've been playing lately, Jeb? Uh, well, I played the Beginner's Guide. Yeah, do you, do you want to do a thing on Beginner's Guide, or do you want to hold off until you've had some more time to think about it, or... I, I uh, genuinely don't know. Uh, whew, uh, whew. uh, game developer, or game, uh, designer Nikki Case said, uh, after, after playing the Beginner's Guide, uh, their review for the, their, their review for the game was, they get say, I need to lie down for a while and think about my life out of ten. <laughs> It, it reminds me hearing people talk about it, of the novelist, where the, if you're in the personal space where the parameters of the novelist hit you, like say you're a writer juggling between uh, nah. your family, um, that 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 game will give you a kick in the guts, um, just because it'll make you think a lot. So uh, the beginner's guide for people who are people are wondering, the beginner's guide is a first person narrative exploration game. It's just it's where you do what Davy Davy Reedon tells you to do. Davy Reedon is telling you this story, and sometimes he'll ask you to do things in your environment, and you do them. Um, it lasts about an hour and a half. It's very deeply personal and intimate, and uh, you know how some games you can easily describe them as being empathetic? Yeah. This is probably the first game I've ever played that is genuinely sympathetic to the player. This this game feels like this game to me feels seems like it feels for the person playing it, not just the person playing it feels for the story. I I, I can so not imagine what you guys are talking about. This is at the very least really interesting. Yeah, and on, on a far there, more there are, no, there are no mechanics to discuss. Uh, you do get a gun at some point. There's no enemies, but you do get a gun at some point. So, on a far more spiteful note, this is a game that is made by one of the people behind the Stanley Parable. Yes. And and there are your typical brigade of knuckleheads saying, oh, it's not a game. So, if that's the kind of person you like irritating, <laughs> go give the beginner's guide a shot. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. If it's the kind of fuck-ass you like irritating... <laughs> um, but but it, if, if you... If you are a, cr- a creative person, if that's your field of work, or if you are connected to creative people in any way, I recommend that you either play this yourself or watch somebody else play it. There's a lot said here that really strikes strikes true to uh, most of the creatives I know in my life. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely intrigued. I look forward to hearing more about this. Um, it, it seems, at the very least, to be an interesting thing that's opening up a lot of discussion. And, quite frankly, anything that deeply affects someone I care about, as this has clearly affected you, 
is interesting to me. Oh, oh, by the way, um, this this because we'll probably do a more elaborate thing on Hotline Miami too. But this is just a thing I want to phone about. I thought was really cool. So Hotline Miami two lets you swap swap between a whole bunch of characters, and for the most part, they are all shitheads. <laughs> That's one of my problems with the game so far. But you wouldn't necessarily want a likable character in a Hotline Miami game, though, would you? That is true. But still, uh, one of the characters you get is a journalist, and he's trying to research a thing for a book. Oh yes, you told me about. And this, this is this is fucking incredible because the very first time you get to play him. You think that it's basically, I'm going to get killed. And then you click and you realize he can fight. It's like, oh, okay, so I've got to go all Hotline Miami through this level. Except he doesn't execute people. (laughs) He punches them and knocks them down. And if he gets a weapon and hits them with it, he'll knock them out. There's no blood. He doesn't kill people. It's all non-lethal. It's like, okay, this is pretty interesting. All right, it's a bit harder. Oh, there's a guy with a gun. Take him out. He drops the gun. I go to pick up the gun. And it's a double-barrel shotgun. And this unique animation place where the character picks up the gun... Cracks it open on his knee, throws the shells over his shoulder, and throws the gun over the other shoulder, <laughs> and the combo meter goes up. Nice. I love that. It's so cool. <laughs> it's just a ah, uh, I I love it because I'd never previously thought about uh, ways to add to combos without <laughs> like non-combat ways to add to combos in, the, That's in, in really a game cool. with almost no interaction that isn't combat too. Yeah. Um. Similarly. Uh. When, and different guns have different unload animations. It wasn't just a matter of I'm going to do this. Like for um for yeah. the Uzi, uh, he he flicks it and he and he actually throws the gun. And as he throws it, the clip comes out of it. The, the magazine comes out of it <laughs> while it's flying. Um, the double for the pump action shotgun, he stands there and he pumps it repeatedly. Um, <laughs> and you see every little shell and it's little pixel art shells. It's like, this is really cool. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and that's like that's exactly what it is in the movie. Like the the. <laughs> If you had this character in cinematography, they would do that, and that would be part of the combo, as it were. And it's such a lovely idea. Yeah. I, I There is a lot to dislike in Hotline Miami 2. <laughs> I think I'm going to forgive it just for that, though. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print for the month of October 2009. Brought to you by dogs. They're the best. And they're certainly more interesting than human protagonists. We don't know. Oh, for once, Fox is into getting exercise. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, let me consider my rejoinder. Fuck you! <laughs> Alright. Put your October, trust in 2009, a month. Believe his lies. <laughs> Don't believe Cozy. <laughs> he lies. He lies. He lies. Who lies? Cozy. Who lies? Who's Cozy? Cozy is from Zendikar. What's Zendikar? A really boring place, apparently. So. What's a really boring place? <laughs> Alright, first up, we have a city-building game. October 2009. Is it a SimCity? That's all I got. No, SimCity... Oh, wait, is it City Skylines? It's Cities XL. Which is not related to City Skylines. I thought I was asking a stupid question, because, yeah, City Skylines is only a couple years old, isn't it? Yeah, City Skylines (laughs) 2014, SimCity, the most recent reboot, was 2013. You're four years out at best. But no, Cities XL, which has (laughs) nothing to do with City Skylines. I guess the more pertinent question is, is there a city-building simulator which doesn't have city in its name somewhere? Because if not, I was hedging my bets pretty well. Myth of Surprise of Progress doesn't have city in the title. Would, would Transport Tycoon count as a city uh, builder? Because you, the cities do grow and change. The, uh, Are you building them yourself? No. Or do they... No, it doesn't count. You build infrastructure. Sim Farm has more of a city building than that. Yeah, true. But there's stuff like Dark Cloud. We have a franchise... This is going to be great. We have a whole bunch of pairs in this set. We have a franchise tie-in game. All right? 
We have a franchise for a story for a game. Sorry, we, we have a game for a franchise where there is almost universally a downer ending, but it's still seen as very important to young people to watch this show. It's older than the the, the franchise is older than everyone on this podcast. It's Narnia. No, but that's a really good guess. <laughs> Certainly has no. a downer ending. Wrong country, Japan. Gundam? A Japanese show with a downer ending. Not a Gundam, but robots are involved. It's not Evangelion. No, earlier than Evangelion. Much right. earlier. Instead of giant robots, it's more about young robots. Ro- Astro Boy doesn't have a downer ending. Astro Boy is full of downer endings. In- yes. Oh, in individual episodes, maybe. In every episode. No. <laughs> There's plenty of happy endings in Astro Boy. How many of them ended with, and then the new character died? Not that many. <laughs> Enough. Just a couple of really important ones, like the one where he falls in love with a cute little girl. Alright, we, we don't we don't need to get to the defending of Astro Boy's honour. Yes, the Astro Boy Wii game. <laughs> Talon, I spent about 40% of my childhood dressed as Astro Boy. Don't get into this fight with me. I, uh, <laughs> I will own you with my ass guns. Is this where we talk about the the, uh, the, the art when the creator of Astro Boy's drawer full of, like, spider vorporn? <laughs> Osama Tezuka? Yeah, he, was a, he was a wonderfully weird chap, wasn't he? A lot of the stuff we did with gender was very interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a serial killer manga by the name of Monster, which was written by a guy called uh, Saro Na- no, sorry, Naoki Urasawa, and I really like Monster. And apparently, so did Tezuka's family because they contacted him and said, "You you can totally bring to life <laughs> the lost drawings of Tezuka." <laughs> well, a lot of his his style is very much like a non-cartoony Tezuka, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you took the world. It, if you took any given Tezuka project and said, what would this look like if you were trying to make it, well, still anime manga style, but really realistic, All right. you would have Urasawa. So we have a franchise game. Uh, oh, hey, hang on, hang on. Which Astro Boy? The good Astro Boy or the fucking movie 3D, whatever the fuck that thing was? The 3D movie one. Oh, fuck that thing. Hey, there's a GBA side-scrolling shooter Astro Boy game, which is fucking great. It's really cool. It's got the whole, like, Tezuka star system thing going on, and then there's the Polar Express plotline and the, the time travel and all the different characters from all the different Tezuka things, and it's fucking rad. Goliath's in it. From Gargoyles? The, oh, the robot. Yeah. Oh. No, no, that would be pretty That's amazing. what I thought you possibly, because no, no. we played the Keith David loyalty mission the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Saints Row 4 update, Fox has now seen the Keith yes. David loyalty mission yeah. with Rowdy yes. Roddy Piper in it. I'm afraid I didn't get most of it, though, because I've never seen Because you Rowdy haven't Rowdy seen Piper They before, Live. And I certainly haven't seen, uh, they live. They, live. they live. But you did get the ending. You did get the very ending where Keith David was like, you don't call for Rowdy. He just goes <laughs> where he's, he's needed. <laughs> and then what happened? You immediately yep. get him as a homie. Of course. <laughs> and the game says, don't listen to don't <laughs> no, but the the real highlight of that whole thing was just the protesters with the eyes. <laughs> that was gold. It was it was this you know six hour build up to a joke of you sound just like Julius. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, we have another franchise game of a franchise that has a downer ending, full of downer endings, in fact. Except in this case, it's not actually as meaningful or deep as it thinks it is, and 14-year-old boys... Oh, Evangelion. Kind of love it. No, not from Japan, but Konami did publish it. Evangelion is as deep as it thinks it is. It's not as deep as everyone else thinks it is. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this is a Konami-released game of a um, a Western franchise. Castlevania? No, 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 no. Is this a tie-in type? Like, wait, it's wait. It's from a non-video game story. It comes story, from a non-video game story. Okay. It comes wait, from... wait, wait, wait. Non-video game story? Non-video game story. Well, okay, so it's not a Metal Gear with thing. With a lot okay. of downer Not enemies. a Metal Gear. Yeah. Um, if I mentioned that it's basically torture porn for mass Saw. media... Consu- yep, yeah, Saw. 
Oh. There's a Saw video Jeez, game. Why is there a Saw video game? <laughs> it's a, like a point and click adventure game sort of thing. Yes. If it is anything other than like setting up the sadistic death traps that the characters in Saw go through, nope. Then that's just a missed no, opportunity. No, it's solve. It's un- it's it's solving your way through them. It's not awful. <laughs> missed like, opportunity it's, though. It's, it's not Saw. Great. You may as well make that the sickest fucking game ever made. <laughs> Like it's it's one it's it's on there as it's not obviously it's not good it's not <laughs> horrendous. I just love the value of that out of context. Obviously, it's not good. <laughs> well, it's not going to be it's good. good. Jebrench, video game reviewer. It's, it's a saw game. <laughs> exactly. Like, what do you expect? It's, it's uh, honestly, I will say this: saw is probably better than you think it's going to be. Yeah, and, and if <laughs> the saw and if a saw game had come out that was competent, that was good, that would be the headline story of yeah. holy shit. We all would have heard Kon- about it by now. Konami released a tie-in to the saw movies that's good. That is really amazing. At the same time that they were in the middle of continually fucking up the Silent Hill franchise. <laughs> Was it also after Saw had thoroughly jumped the shark? Oh god, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's like five, six years after the first one? It was like five, and six that movies was... after the first one? <laughs> And that was the good one, and one is the only one worth watching, so... Alright, we have <clears throat> we have an expansion to a existing franchise universe. There's already lots of video games about it. Um, Cataclysm? No. <laughs> Always gonna guess World of Warcraft next. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a, um... This, this had movies first, and then it wound up with uh, video games, and then it got a spin-off TV series, and this is a video game of the spin-off TV series. Batman? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Wait, that's not off as comic. That's not off as comic. Yeah, go, I could it have didn't expected. go through all the other steps. Yeah, you're right. No, you need a, you need okay, a diagram. Okay, so TV, what was TV to video game to Started TV to video game? Movie. Movie. Video game. Video game. The movie got, um, actually, hell, this gets even sillier. Okay, it's a movie, uh-huh. prequel, TV show, tie-in uh-huh. video game. Oh, is this a video game they made for that Super Mario Brothers movie? No, but wow. Movie? Wait, that, movie? Okay, that wasn't a serious thing, Tom. That was me making a joke about Mario Brothers originating with the movie. Oh, snap. I, I don't think... Oh, God, tell me they didn't make a video game out of the movie. I hope Like, not. they did that with Street Fighter, didn't they? They they made Street Fighter, and eventually they made that god-awful movie, and then they made a Street Fighter game that was a really bad hilarious game movie. Hilarious movie. Um, wait, okay, it's a prequel. The, the game is a prequel to the movie? No. The, 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 okay, so you have the first set of movies. Then you have prequel right. movies. Then those prequel movies get a TV show spin-off. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a Star Wars thing. Yes. Of course it's a Star Wars. Old, not Old Republic? Uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Republic Heroes. I think oh, you may yeah. have sold it short by saying a TV series. <laughs> True. There's a couple. Because I, for one, really enjoyed the Ewoks cartoon. <laughs> I wanted to no, be this was specifically so referring to the this is this is specifically referring to the TV series based off the second prequel movie. Yeah, God, I hate because the, the Clone Wars had for that. so just it's a okay. So the movie movie was a prequel to the original movies, and this was a TV show that was based off the the prequel that became a game. Yeah. Apparently, the Clone Wars was a good TV show. I don't know. I like Star Wars. I don't know. I've heard good things about it. I think it looks horrid, though. <laughs> I just, oh, it really I doesn't look like a thing I want to get into. Which is kind of ironic, because the more I see of the new one that's either coming out or come out, the, the more I think it looks kind of neat. Like the... Uh, the, the Disney Infinity figures? Yeah. Like, there, there's, there's some kind of compelling character designs in there. I will give it this. Um, th- this game it was exists. apparently developed by LucasArts Singapore for the DS. 
Nice. Wow, it's going to be so great. Mm-hmm. So, from one game where people make lots of homoerotic jokes about the two main characters, to a game that actually has the word gay in the title. This is an expand alone for an existing game franchise. This is not, of course, part of the word game, otherwise it doesn't no, count. No, 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 G-A-Y, literally referring to actually a okay, gay person. Just check. This exists. Oh, the ballad of, this is the Ballad of Gay Tony. This is the Ballad of Gay Tony! The Ballad of Gay Tony. Grand Theft Auto 3. Ah. Four. Four. Yes, Grand Theft Auto 4, The Ballad of Gay Tony. Which is apparently one of the best written Grand Theft Auto stories they've made. Mm-hmm. That's not really saying much. Well, uh, yeah, but still, uh, it exists. I'm surprised. And apparently it's quite good. I, I actually have it, but because it's on the PS3, I never turn that thing on, so I don't know. <laughs> that has, I have to say, it <sighs> makes me think of nothing so much as uh, what you get if you had The Ballad of Gay Perry. Which, <laughs> you know, I play that game. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. All right, all right. <clears throat> okay, I, I've I've circled around this one for a while. You you won't get this one. It's a game developed and published by From Software. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's basing Eternal Rain. So no, not Eternal Rain. Uh, Armored Core Four. It uses the Havoc engine for game physics. Have <laughs> the word souls in its title. Armored no. Core Five. Right. <laughs> No, this is this is really picked because I genuinely don't think anyone will get it. This sounds like something I'm surprised this exists. Um, it's an action game developed and published by From Software and Microsoft Studios for the Xbox 360. It's... The player plays as a modern-day ninja using a katana, twin swords, and broadsword as main weapons to the hostile creatures. They didn't make another shinobi, did they? No. Um, it's apparently a ripoff of Ninja Gaiden and Devil May Cry's combat system. <laughs> its name is so generic. Like, more than Demon Souls. Does its name have Ninja in the title? Yes! Yes, it does. Ninja Blade. Yes! Why? Hey! <laughs> they're trying to remember it, and Fox is just like, I'm gonna guess. <laughs> oh, generic ninja words, what do we got? Uh, I reckon that's it! <laughs> yes, Ninja Blade, which had <laughs> Xbox Live compatibility as it advertised on the box. Ooh! <laughs> It works with your console. Next up, we have a first-person shooter game that's... <sighs> It exists. It's successful. It's... Call of the Thing. No. Battlefield Thing. No. It uh, thinks it's funny. Funny. Postal 2? No. It's more recent than that. Oh, Bulletstorm? No, I actually wouldn't... Oh, t- uh, Borderlands? Yeah, Borderlands. I, I wouldn't actually take Bulletstorm that is funny. Bullet Bulletstorm Storm. is yeah. funny, so... I, I did find Bulletstorm kind of funny. Um, Bulletstorm is funny, yeah. It's like, I'll, I'll kill your dicks. I'll, I'll, I'll kill your dick. <laughs> What does that even mean? Yeah, that is that kind of funny. Mean? Yes, and and uh, they do that thing again with the 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 inversion of the voice, and that there's a woman who's yelling this stuff at people, and it's just very surprising to watch a bunch of guys react to that sort of. It's like uh, uh, I don't know how to handle that. All right, uh, yes, Borderlands, a game which people it like. Exists. It exists. Yep. Yeah, it may have burned soon slightly on things. Okay, we're okay. Sorry right. about that. No worries. Um, sure there exists. may have been a lot of noise over that on the record. I, f- I played and finished Borderlands, and it, it was it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine described it as a triangle hu- triangle hunter, and then there's little red triangles, and you move towards little red triangles, ah. and then you get rid of the lot of triangles, and you get some green triangles, and that's pretty much how it goes. It has an interesting visual aesthetic. Yeah. I'll give it that. Yeah. At least it's not a hyper-realistic first-person shooter. That I can definitely appreciate. On the other hand, if at the very start of the game, at the very lowest level of enemies, if I shoot a thing in the head and it instead goes, you need to shoot me in the head three more times... Oh, fuck right off. I'm checked out. <laughs> That's when you're letting your RPG mechanics get in the way of the fun. Yeah. That's, uh, that should have been picked up in beta. Bullet sponges aren't fun. 
Alright. Bullet sponges might be fun, but doing something like a headshot should be a way to get around bullet sponges. That's what headshots <laughs> are for. Alright. We have a re-release of a PlayStation game. Yeah. Uh, the original game was released in 1998, which I don't think is going to give anything away in particular. Yes, we're going to do. Uh, no, but it is a sequel. <laughs> And Final Fantasy VIII. No. It's a, and in fact, on the Suikoden 2 front, it is a sequel to a game where you could recruit a hundred characters. Is it Suikoden 3? No. <laughs> it's a puzzle platformer. Hey, with mass recruiting. It's the only... Catapon? No. It's the only game I know of with a fart button. Oh, sure, I was just about to say Katamari, but not nope. quite. Um... No, that was never Oddworld. Well, I didn't know there was recruiting in Oddworld. Oddworld, Abe's Exodus. You can recruit um, other workers in the slave pits to help you solve puzzles and whatnot, and then when you're done, you get to take them home. You, you save ah. them. No, I never knew that. And if that's you don't cool. recruit all of them, you get an ending that sucks. Ah, I'm alright with that. That's pretty, that's that should have been your point of contact this week. And in fact, <laughs> <laughs> all right. You like your best friend? Ah, oh, that's nice. Get everyone. <laughs> get them now. What if I don't like my best friend? <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> so, we have a... I, I suppose if I give away the publisher on this one, it'll just tell Jeb pretty much straight away. <laughs> is it from software again? <laughs> no, it's not from software. Uh, but it is distributed It's by from Google. hardware. What? <laughs> it's it's from by hell! <laughs> there you go, there's your fucking Halloween theme, whatever. It comes from hell. Oh, no, it's <laughs> Great, now we've got Whispery Jeb. It like emerges it. from the darkness to consume. So this is a game all. about being in the sun and on the beach and building things and managing things. Hooray! I'm pretty sure Fox is lost on this one. Yeah. Yes, like a small island. Oh. Hooray! It's Tropico. It's Tropico 3, where you play Yay. a Banana Republic dictator. And it's funny. Oh. It's genuinely actually, funny. Actually, that's not kind of fun. <laughs> they're, they're actually really good games. The, the funny <laughs> The funniest thing about all the Tropico games to me is that Tropico is responsible for what I think is the single most expensive Steam card. Okay. Because Steam cards let you use emotes in, like, they have, they have unlockable emotes. Really? In one. Yeah. Oh. Um, some do. And one of the Tropico games has one that gives you a marijuana leaf. And that card sells for, like, seven bucks. Oh, oh, not... Okay, Sorry, not well, first emotes, of all, like... In a game, emotes on forum. Oh, yeah. Ah, okay, first of all, that's not Tropico. Oh, it's not Tropico? That's Port Royale 3. Shit. Well, I'll just cut that out because I look like an idiot. <laughs> Where would we be without that? Mm, fair enough. Also, the Undertale emotes are like 30 bucks. Um, hey, speaking of Banana Republic dictators and Osama Tezuka, which we were talking about before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you familiar with the, the dictator character from the Astro Boy continuity? I am. Who is, I honest to God, I forget what his English name is, because it's <laughs> just, it's nothing compared to his original name, which is, I shit you not, Hitlini! <laughs> he is the greatest dictator. We have some Hitlini pasta in the sink right now, don't we? <laughs> Alright, we have a release of an action-adventure third-person shooter platform video game. Uh, that's ridiculous. Sorry. Yes. Action adventure first person shooter platformer? Action adventure third person shooter third platform person. video game. Okay. Metroid Other M. No. <laughs> Not as reviled. It's also kind of a side scroller. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, this is a sequel. Um, is it. Uh, is it a Jack and or a Dexter? No. Immensely obnoxiously popular member of this genre? Yes, and an, imme- and an immensely obnoxious uh, protagonist as well. Uncharted. Uncharted 2. <laughs> I find Nathan Drake obnoxious. That doesn't mean everyone should. He's a shit. <laughs> he has been trying to find some middle ground. Nah, fuck Not it. middle ground. I'm 
I'm sorry. Are we here to, you know, pander to all sides equally? We're a podcast with opinions. Fair enough. In fact, you guys might have opinions that differ to my own. But my opinion is Nathan Drake is a shit. And really boring looking. If he was hot, I wouldn't mind so much, but he looks like every It's the day of it's the day of generic it's the, the generic man episode yeah, yeah. of I of, of downloadable concept podcast. Nathan Drake looks like Matthew Perry's self insert character. <laughs> I understand there are some of you who didn't watch a lot of Friends as kids. That's okay. If you did, you'll that yeah. Trust me on this one. I if you did, that joke's funny. If not, it's uh, beautiful. All right, we have a Wii remake of a NES title. Uh, this game was very much in the big hype when it was uh, announced because it was sort of one of those hyper nostalgia things that people were going, "Oh yeah, I really remember playing that game originally. I loved it to bits." You said it was Wii, right? Yeah. It's not Rocket Knight. No, no. Wait, not. that wasn't a SNES. No, no, not SNES, NES. I think it's, uh, but, 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 yeah, yeah, it's a reimagining of a NES title. No. Mm, Play- I mean, you, ah, <laughs> I keep thinking of things they've remade recently, but they're all Sega games because they didn't play Nintendo back in those days. Uh, you have a player character who's running around with another character who's effectively a tool, kind of a multi-tool. A boy in his blob. A boy in his blob. Oh, Wait, was that on the NES? That was on the NES. You must have played a Nintendo at some point then. Yeah. I played that. Yeah. Uh, a Boy and His Blob, Trouble on Blobonia. Well, it was on, it was on a, it was on, uh, mm. it was on computers Oh, maybe too. that's where I saw it. I played it at my cousin's place, which is where I played every video game back then. All right. So, uh, does it say anything about how that went? Because I actually, I, I saw that when it was getting remade and I was like, oh, that's really cute. You could make a great... You know, it's definitely worthy of a remake, and you could do something really interesting with it. It's... I think it was just a pretty much straight-up remake. Yeah, just a better-looking one. Oh. Um, it uh, got an 81 on Metacritic, so it's probably not really bad. Yeah. That sounds like something I wouldn't mind getting my hands on. Should uh, see if I can get it cheap. Also, the art style was inspired by and used diagrams originally by Hayao Miyazaki, so... Oh, that explains a lot. Yeah. It is very cute. Like, that was the, the main thing that interested me in the remake. Like, hey, I remember that being a fun game. It's an S game, so it looks like... Alright, we have the seventh most popular title on the Wii. Oh, Christ, that could be anything. Which sold 21 million copies. Super Paper Mario. Nope. Is it something where it's already made sense, or it's some inexplicable shovelware piece of junk that's sold because it's a franchise title or something? I, I wouldn't even call it shovelware or franchise. It, I mean, it is a franchise now. I mean, one of the... Wii Sports? Close. One of the characters is in Smash, for fuck's sake, and I went, there's characters in this? Oh, we Fit. Oh, yes. Wii Fit. Yes, we fit October 2009. Hooray! I guess I could see why that sold well. It was, you know, they they sold this console to a lot of parents is what I'm saying. All right, we have a genre creator, mm-hmm. as in it is credited with creating a genre, even if it didn't necessarily do so itself. It's a genre that's named after the... Nope. It's not a Metroidvania. Nope. And this game is out on Flash, on the iOS, it's on the PSP, it's on Android, and it's on the Ouya. Is it an endless runner? It is an endless runner. Was Cannibal the first it one? It is Cannibal! All right! Wow! I'm very impressed. Thank you. I- I'm used to Jeb sort of going... Is that what Cannibal does? Because he started with Flash. Ah. What was that, Jeb? Is that what Cannibal yeah, is? Cannibal is an endless runner. It's got a really oh. nice pixel style. Like, whoever did the art for it is really good. It's smooth and pretty in a really simplistic way, and it, I mean, it's a very, very pure example of what it is, which is probably why it's a genre starter. It's just, yeah, run. Run for as long as you can. Keep running. You having fun running? Good. You're not having fun running? Okay, bye. I like Bit Trip Runner. <laughs> That's because I really like Captain Video. 
Captain Video? The main character of Bit Tripper. Oh, I didn't know he had a name. It, well, mm-hmm. that, could, that wouldn't necessarily be he, would it? Captain doesn't imply anything. All right. We have a Nintendo DS title, which is the first to be released in North America to have the gameplay and structure of the main series in it, having less <laughs> emphasis on RPG elements and more focus on item creation and resource management. Oh, there was a DS Atelier? That was a DS Atelier. Yeah. Is there any hope that any of you could guess which Atelier it is? Ah, uh, no. Nope. It's not on the DS. It's not Marie. No, but it is it's... a girl's name. It's always a girl's <laughs> name, you idiot. So- Sophie. Atelia, uh, Atelia uh, Fiora. Atelia Sophia. Atelia... Atelia... Um, uh, I should know what it Atelia is. Atelia Amber... Uh, just name every single yes, one we know. Atelia Allison. Atelia Allison, but with a different number of L's. Uh, I think Atelia, Atelia Allison? Atelia Alice? Uh, how about uh, Alice or... Uh, Atelia Valerie or Atelier Valerie or... Um... Atelia Sarah? Atelia Sarah? Atelia Sarah? <laughs> Sorry, we're just making fun of the fact that a lot of our friends have the same name at this oh, point. Oh, that's what we're doing. God, I'm sitting here going, they're just repeating themselves. Are they broken? Do they need a jump? Natalia Fox. That's not a girl's name. That's why I chose it. Natalia Munchlax. <laughs> All the ingredients disappear if you don't use them really quickly. Nah. We're going to make some, we're going to do some synthesis now. Put ingredients in the Munchlax. Natalia Headbutt. Natalia Middleton. Natalia Legs. <laughs> Actually, I remember to, to extend upon the complex Munchlax canon, it is an established fact that all the Munchlax are boys, despite the fact that Fox is not. I don't know how this works, <laughs> but I think that's not the pertinent question. It's part of the fusion. Gender is weird. <laughs> it's part of the fusion ritual. <laughs> so yes, long-time fans of the show, you, you may wish to add this to your, uh, your self-made wiki. <laughs> yes, please update the wiki. It's Atelia Annie, and I think we've missed this for Annie, it. <laughs> I knew it was one of the only ones that's like a common girl's name. Because, yeah. you know, most of them are, are much weirder names, like Meru and stuff. Which is why I didn't think, oh, yeah, that's right, they're all named after girls, because I don't know anyone named Meru. <laughs> I think, guessing at it, I think there's a theme for the PS3 ones, where they were all repeated syllables. There's, like, Rorona and Totori, and then there's Meruru. Oh, God, what if that's, like, some alphabetical filing thing for the really hardcore fans? <laughs> well, they broke it with Aisha, so. Ah, okay. And then there's Esker and Loji, which is weird. In You're talking about Aisha. All right, so. Aisha. A sp- I suppose that could be. It would depend on how it was written, uh, the original. Pectical fighter. A, a pectical fighter. Devil May Cry. I thought you said pectical fighter. Um, but you're uh, in the right job. Bayonetta. Bayonetta, yes. Damn, I've got it first. I, th- I thought you were saying pectical fighter, so I was going to start guessing. Pectical fighter. They should make a game called that. Yes. Uh, Bayonetta. Why don't, why don't they make? Why don't they make a, jo- a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> Spectacle fighter. <laughs> oh, oh, um, okay, it's it's a game where you play a medic who's taking care of a sports team, and it's abstraction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Hold on a sec, I can make this into a visual novel if you can romance the members of the sports team. Hmm. Yeah, Bayonetta was released on October 29th in Japan, and apparently is pretty good. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> so I heard. I don't know. I, I understand that many people quite enjoy Bayonetta. Myself, it is about 900% above my cheesiness threshold. <laughs> and, and about 9,000% above my gratuitous use of female body threshold. I gotta it's say. too much. She's kind of got all the hips in the world from video game perspective. That's because there's like 12 feet of her. <laughs> She's really tall. And 11 feet of yes. my legs. <laughs> 
She's got eleven feet. I, I, one, one of my, one of my favorite descriptions of, of Bayonetta before the game had come out was she looks like what would happen if you'd ask them to design Sarah Palin. <laughs> I have guns on my shoes. Holy shit! Oh god, if they if they were double barreled shotguns, I, that would kind of work. It does manage to at least be stupid and ridiculous. It is yeah. profoundly stupid and ridiculous, and I get why people like that. Uh, I didn't used to, but I have learned. Also, on a game design front, uh, mid-boss uh, checkpoints. Mid-boss checkpoints that are oh. after the cutscene. That's a good idea. Thank you. Oh, that's a really good idea, especially considering the cutscenes in that game. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. It, and, and you can hold down a button when it reloads to show the cutscene, but you don't have to. The default assumption is you've died, you're going back to the cutscene. You're going back to the checkpoint. That's a really good idea. So, yeah. Big ups on them on the game design front for that. Also, Demon's Soul came out this... You know, pff, you know. oh. <laughs> I knew it was Demon's Souls. You lied to us. I didn't lie to you. It's just they also released Ninja Blade. <laughs> we were equally as correct. You absolutely were. And part of that equality involved Ninja Blade. Ninja <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? So that, of course, now is going to get a slightly rethemed uh, spiritual successor, Bloodblade. <laughs> well, the thing that amazes me is that apparently these games came out so close to one another because they were both made on tiny budgets. <laughs> like, a little That would make a lot of sense. Little, I mean, bit of budget. Demon's Souls was a smash hit, obviously, but it was not in Eventually. any way a polished game, and that's part of what people liked about it. <laughs> They're fucking ugly games, too. <laughs> Breathtaking. They're beautiful as well. Yeah. That's probably part of why they work as horror games. But uh, apparently Demon's Souls was made with a budget of like half a million dollars. (laughs) Like next to nothing. Such a small amount for for a game. (laughs) It was was, um, released in the United States in October. Uh, That makes Double Fine look bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. That was just an idle thought there. Oh, well. You know, Double Fine can take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they'll be much consoled by their piles of money. Yeah. But yeah, there was like six months of development cycle uh, between announcement and release. So, (laughs) wow. Yeah, well, it shows in a lot of ways. It's probably a really good example of a game where they had very solid design, very solid execution, and just not a a lot of anything else. (laughs) Not a lot of room to sand off the edges, not a lot of time to go, well, we really shouldn't make it so they can randomly walk off the edge when you do. You know what? Fuck it! And You died. (laughs) And that's part of what makes it great. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird and, and knobbly and broken, and it's quite appealing because of it. It does have soul. <laughs> so, har, har, har. Well, sorry, that wasn't meant to be a pun. That was just genuinely thinking about, I, I've talked about games having soul. Yeah. You, know, you know another game that has soul? Dragon's Dogma. And Dragon's Dogma is coming Yay. to the PC. I heard something like this. Yes, and then we don't need any more PC <laughs> games, because that's the last well, one we could we use some upkins for Dragon's it. Dogma, yes. if you're interested. <laughs> I... I'm just saying, if I could have a farm full of anime pretty boys to send out to my friends and bring me back treasures. <laughs> what What if you could make your, instead of anime pretty boys, what if you make your pawn a dog? <gasps> now we don't need any other PC games. Yes. <laughs> I, you, I didn't realize we've, we were done it. We've made the ultimate important. video. Yes. We've created the ultimate video game. Dragon's Dogma. <gasps> This, of course, originally yes. came up in our missing episode. But yeah, uh, Dragon's Dog was coming to the PC. Be excited. It, it's really cool. It's a, <laughs> it's really it's a game good. where you can pick up and throw pretty much everything. 
I am into that. Including old men. It's a game where you, you climb up on bad monsters, the giant huge monsters, and you hack off the bits of them, and then... Sometimes they're in flight, and then you got, got crash land to the ground. It's like, fuck it, I got this. The drawing reminds me very much of uh, Radiator Stories. Yes! Which I think we brought up on the podcast before. Just in, in place of your... In the, in lost, the lost episode. episode. It was in the lost episode. It, it, I it was before. Well, anyway, if it did get lost... Game where your generic, well, JRPG where your generic interaction button is replaced with a kick button. So, yes. Yes. You, uh, you know, you don't look in a cupboard so much as you kick the cupboard and maybe something falls out. And you can indeed walk up to the characters and kick them. And some of them get pissed <laughs> off at you and some of them are like, I'll take you. The thing I like the best about the kick is that because they knew they were going to do that, they made it so every object Everything in the game... Everything is kickable! <laughs> and then there's this little judder animation, this yeah. little jolly little, I've just been kicked. It's probably because they were, like, they hadn't done 3D before and they were like, Hmm. If we if we've made all our environments out of 3D objects rather than animating things, why shouldn't we just go jiggle? <laughs> Everything can jiggle. Everything. <laughs> that all said, just before we go out, um, and because damn it, we're going to get this into an episode one way or another. We we have lost audio on this topic twice now, so it <laughs> might haunted. But being as it's October and the time for spooky things, um, he's really he's just doing his very best to tempt fate. <laughs> No, put the monkey's paw down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk very briefly about a game that I found haunting. And that's Kentucky Route Zero. <gasps> um, at this point, listener, this is, you're, you're not really hearing a canned reaction. I mean, Jeb knows what I think about this game, and I know what Jeb thinks about this game. Uh, because again, we've lost audio on this. But and if you've been following my writing, you know what I think about this game. Yeah. I don't have any opinion on this game because I haven't seen it yet. But I also feel a reverence for it imparted by the attitude of these two. <laughs> that means I'm just not going to make jokes. <laughs> uh, Kentucky Route Zero is a point-and-click adventure that is mostly about implied narrative. And it uses a cultural context in a way that I'm very unused to in video games. Um, the, the shortcut way to refer to this, I'm sure someone would call it Lynchian, but not really. Like, Lynch's work is much more about the aesthetic and feel of small mountain towns, whereas Kentucky Route Zero is, it's a long journey on a highway. It's baking in the sun in a gigantic flat expanse knowing that you can't rest yet. It's thoughtful and it's sad, and it is incredibly good at telling you things without telling you things. It's also really weird. And I, I mean weird in that very deliberate way. Like, it wants to get under the skin of your mind, and it wants to make you think about things, but it doesn't want to do that while waving a big sign saying, this is about stuff. It wants to make you question the things it's doing. It's very deliberate, very, very articulate as a game. I don't really have a lot to say about what it's trying to say. I think that uh, the experience of watching the game tell you things is much more interesting than what I necessarily walked away from it with. It's more about what you get from it than what it's trying to say. It's a very pers it's a very individualist, very It's a very American experience in the <sighs> Not in the not in the cynical way that that most games address Americana. Yeah, it's very heartfelt and genuine, and 
I think authentic might very well be the best way to to explain it. The, yeah, the, it's, the kind of feel it gives. It is, it's honest with you. It, it's the America of crumbling mining towns. It's the America of small backwards areas where people are making do with the best they've got, and they know that there's bigger things in the world that they don't really have a handle on, but they're okay with what they're doing for now. It's not as chest thumping or arrogant as. As, as a non-American, when we talk about pieces of media being very American, there's often... that That's usually just a straight-up pejorative. I usually mean it in the sense of it's, like, tremendously self-interested. It, it What bothers me about American media when I describe it as being American is that it has no regard for people who don't have the America script in their heads already. It, it just doesn't acknowledge the existence of other things. America is what matters. And not not deliberately necessarily, not like it's going, you know, not like it's being all, America, fuck yeah! But just that it has so little awareness of anything else. That it's it's basically like a fairy tale, where there's only the kingdom, and that's where shit takes place. There is only America, that's where things happen. Everywhere else is other. Well, this is very much a fairy tale. Yes. <laughs> if it actually was a fairy tale, that may well take the edge off. And and just the things it uses as its background details, um, the the mines and, and office buildings, amputated limb factories, and that's not done as a sort of you know weird creepy thing. It's just yeah, drive past the amputated, drive past the the artificial limb factory. Oh right, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> amputated limb factory is a t- like that's definitely surreal. <laughs> but but still, um. <laughs> Right. The, the the point being that, you know, it's not a matter of you go to the creepy limb factory or you ruminate on your America past. No, it's just a matter of, yeah, the artificial limb factory, which is near a mining town. Yeah. Because it would be. That sort of, again, implicit storytelling. It does all this stuff with background information and then it takes you right up to the edge of some of the information it wants to tell you and then it stops. It doesn't ever explicate some of the details like i've only played the first episode again but in that first episode there were all these things i know about the protagonist and i know about the related characters that it never told me i might be wrong but it has painted in my mind a story using iconography and uh and structures that are existing tropes from american culture in a non-obnoxious way and it's it all comes across as very heartfelt, very personal, and very authentic. Like Jeb said, I I heartily recommend if you have even the vaguest passing interest in this kind of storytelling or this kind of game, go go play Kentucky Route Zero. It's not finished, and I don't think it ever needs to be. So, side note did uh, did did you, you when you you played the the first episode? Did you? Did you turn your light on and off in the mine? Yes. Good. And in Good. the first episode, I sat and I waited for the bluegrass players. Yeah. There's there's a sequence where you're coming. To... I was. Mentioned. Yeah. I I wanted to go find that song. And I was like, oh wait, that song only exists in Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's, it's on the soundtrack. soundtrack. It's on the soundtrack, which comes to the game. So. I don't think I. I didn't think I had that. I didn't. I assumed I didn't have that, so I didn't go looking for it. 
Well, I don't think I can top that. So, that's all for this week's downloadable concept podcast. That's been Talon. That's been Jeb. And that's been Fox. Join us next week when I will have been replaced by a stubbly brunette white guy, just for some variety. We'll all be replaced. We'll all be replaced.